we all doing? Good. Hey, it's good to see you all. Uh, thanks for being the remnant. <laughs> we, we never know on Labor Day, like, what that's going to look like. It's like, is it going to be me, Ben, and Hannah just chilling, you know? So um, thanks for being here. Um, I'm Adam, uh, one of the campus ministers here. Uh, if I haven't got to meet you yet, I'd love to, um, to get to know you more. Um, we are going through this series uh, in Ephesians, and um, we're going to be in chapter 2 today, so feel free to turn there. If you need a Bible, we've got Bibles around. Um, we also use the, uh, the YouVersion Bible app, which is a really good resource if you like, don't have a, a paper Bible on you. Um, lots of uh, plans and translations and things like that you can use, but um, one of the things we do for our Sundays and Wednesdays is we, we have like uh, the teaching notes up on there, so you can kind of follow along with that. Save it if you've got some things that you want to make notes of, um, so that's a cool resource too. Um, so feel free to join us on that. If you go down to the hamburger in the bottom right corner, events, CSF, you'll find it. Um, I really hope, one of my prayers this weekend is that um, there's like a good rest that can happen tomorrow. And I know some of you are like, I got to catch up, you know, already. And that's cool. Um, but I, I really am praying and just want to challenge you all as kind of an aside of what we're talking about today to like find some life-giving things to do tomorrow. Um, make use of this like day that you're going to have um, to like actually do some things that'll, that'll be restful for you. Um, so last week, um, Ben talked us through, actually over the last two weeks, Ben's talked us through the the course of Ephesians 1, um, and, uh, you know, we, we've been joking, and Ben's brought it up a couple different times. We have these, like, long run-on sentences from Paul that are, like, packed with all this stuff, and besides the greeting, um, we've, we've dealt with two sentences from Paul dealing with all this stuff over the last two weeks, um, and he has been uh, taking us through some things. Paul, Paul has this, this really cool knack in his writings for hitting really hard with, like, theology and, like, this is what, like, like, interpretation of what's going on and challenging us in this way and then turning around and giving, like, massive practical pieces of, like, how do you live your life in regard to these things. Um, and, and what, um, you know, Ben took us through last week, what Paul was writing is, is he's, he's been praying for us to have this apocalypse, you know, that, that was brought up. And we think of, well, I don't know, maybe not all of you, maybe I'm just weird, but like when I hear apocalypse, it's like, okay, like, like, you know, zombie apocalypse or like, you know, the world has basically ended and there are like very few people left trying to survive. Kind of, that's what we think of, but, but what Paul is talking about and what the, this word is actually used is like this like revealing, this like unveiling, this like illumination. And what he's been praying for is that we would understand and like have it like, understood and that we would know and have vision of like God's power working at, through Christ, um, his grace and his love and his mercy. That's like the prayer that, that Paul has been giving is that we would have this opening of our eyes that reveals the power of God and the vastness of his grace. Um, this morning we're going to jump, like I said, into Ephesians 2, just like the first half, first 10 verses. Um, and really like if I could sum it up, I'm, I'm like looking at Paul, what he is saying, what he's showing us is the, the past, the present, and the future of people who are in Christ. 
all in one sentence again. We get one more, at least one sentence, 10 verses kind of situation here today. Um, and he's got so much packed into here. And I think it's this really powerful statement of the gospel um, that we get to read today. Um, that it shows us where we were without Christ, like where we are without Christ, pre-Jesus, where we are with Jesus, and who we are in Jesus, and, and where he means for us to go with him. So I'm excited to get into this because I think we're often looking for purpose, like what, what is there for me? Like what's the future hold? Um, and Paul's quite clear about us having purpose in Jesus. So let's read this together here. It's again the first 10 verses of Ephesians 2. Um, Paul says this, he says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It's by grace that you have been saved. And God raises, raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in the kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith, this is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, in which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now let's pray. Uh, Jesus, uh, would you please speak to us today um, through your word? Um, Jesus, I pray that we would we would have a greater understanding of like what you do in us, um, what you've done in us, what you call us to, what you have for us for the future, whether it's here on earth or after our death. Um, illuminate us in that way, but, but most of all, I just pray that we would know you more. Lord, that we would deepen in our relationship with you, that we would follow hard after you, that we would just grow in our obedience and our, our love for you, Christ. Um, so help us today. Um, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak into our lives what we need to hear, and uh, that you would use this time to grow your church more and more. Uh, we love you. Amen. So, starting off I got a weird story, so bear with me, okay? Um, I, okay, so about 10 years ago, I bought a weed eater. Um, it's a great way to start, start right? Um, 10 years ago, I bought a weed eater. We have, uh, we got a fence around our, like, our yard, and there's, like, trees and a standalone garage and all these things, and it's, like, chronically have weeds popping up. There's just, like, no way to get on top of them, and it's, like, okay, Gonna get this weed eater, deal with this stuff. 10 years ago. Um, over the course of the last 10 years, I hate that weed eater massively. Um, and the reason being is that every time 
uh, I would go to use it. The engine works great, starts up perfectly every time, perfect. But I always have issues with the string, the line that's inside the thing. You know, you have to reload it every now and then. And it seems like every time I use this weed eater, it's gotta be reloaded. And for some reason, the way that that gets reloaded is you have to totally disassemble the head and get it in there and hold it tight and like cram it in there and it pops out and you gotta redo it again and then all this stuff. And it's like a, like a 40 minute affair every time I need to weed eat. And my wife's not here today, but she would tell you that one of the things I hate most in this world is dealing with a lawn. So it's, it's never good. I never go into it with, it with a good attitude anyway and then all this stuff. 10 years ago, so this has been the last 10 years, I have asked people, I have watched YouTube videos, it's like there has to be a better way to do this, and was completely, completely tapped out about ideas. I'm just like, this is just the way this junk thing is made, and my life is just gonna not be awesome every time I have to weed eat, you know? But this year, going into summer, finally was like, I'm gonna give one last go at a YouTube search for this specific weed eater, please Lord, I, I prayed. I did pray, not joking, God please reveal something. I, re I asked for an apocalypse for this thing, honestly. But, um, and it came, and uh, I found this, this guy, and it was like, I'm like, this can't be right, because this is only like a 45 second video. Like something's wrong here. And this guy proceeds to, you know, I have disassembled this thing countless times. He proceeds to say, okay, so you grab your line, you measure it off about six feet, you snip it, all right, now you just click this one, little click this way, and it opens it up, and you stick that in there, and then you go like this, and it pulls it all in. And I'm like crying, because, uh, it won't be the last time I say that today, but the, um, I'm like, 10 years, 10 years I have hated this, 10 years I have been tapped out I have nothing to offer to this, and I had to have this guy explain this to me because I just had nothing left. Um, and it's been great since then. But uh, again, this is a weird story, but here, here's the deal with where I was at with this and how this connects. Something that, that Jesus does in us is he takes us from this place of confusion and misstep, and he puts us onto this path of hope and of purpose. You know, with my, my weed-eating scenario, I know it's stupid, but it was like, I was tapped. I'm like, I need to throw this thing out and just start again. I had nothing in me to figure this out. I had used up all of my information and all of my resources to do this, and I had nothing. I was out of my depth, and there was nothing left that I could muster to fix that tool, and I needed aid. And spiritually, this is the situation that Paul is talking about, the situation that we find ourselves in outside of Christ much greater extent, but Jesus, he steps in and he takes us from death to life, from wrath to salvation, from, from this desperate need that we have to like a purposeful salvation that he calls us into. Um, Paul has been making sure that we know of God's power working through Jesus, um, and he's prayed, you know, that we'd understand deeply the fact that, that in Christ we have this inheritance and this hope through him, because of mercy and his vast strength working within him through us. Um, he wanted us to be crystal clear about the, these things that he's taught us and these things that Jesus has called us into, our, our understanding that from the beginning, 
there was a, this plan to create a people of God through Jesus who would be a people of hope and grace, who would extend that, not just hoard it, but extend that to the world. Um, but Paul, Paul rolls back a bit for us to remember these things. Um, remember what our lives looked like prior to Jesus entering the picture. Um, you know, and Ben brought this up a few weeks back, but you know, remember this whole thing about when we see you, this like word in the Greek is this plural thing. Um, it's this, uh, you know, humas, um, and, it, and it really like one of the guys we've like studied with talks about it being like the, the y'all word. You know, like I was talking to somebody, maybe you may be in this room, but this week about how like uh, Southerners have it right because they have all these extra words. It's like you, y'all, all y'all, you know, and like there's these different things. And, and Paul is like, y'all were dead in your transgressions and sins. And this, this really does matter. It's not just like, oh, let's parse out some Greek. It matters because it's, it's about a group of people. Um, it's not about a series of individuals that God is, is doing this in. Um, and it's hard for us to grab, culturally speaking. Like, we are, for better or worse, very individualistic. We're very independent, right? We can do our own thing. And a lot of times we read these, and if we read you, we're like, oh, yeah, me. And it's like, no, like, y'all. Y'all were dead, but y'all were brought alive in Christ Jesus. And we need to remember that, that the church is a body, it's a community. It's not just a bunch of individuals that gather together and then go their separate ways. Like, we, we have responsibility to each other as the body of Christ. So Paul, Paul begins to talk about our past of deadness, but he, he quickly turns even from y'all to us, because the y'all is like, hey, all you non-Jewish people, but now all of us are brought together in unity, which we'll talk about next week, under Jesus. There's inclusion of all these people needing the grace of God, having to desperately need that grace of God in Christ. And it's reminiscent of what Paul says to the Romans, Romans 3.23, that the all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This idea that everybody needs Christ. And this is what he lays out as our plight. In verses 1 through 3, we are dead without Jesus. We're dead without Jesus. Straight into the point. It says, as for you, you, you all were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. Um, our plight pre-Jesus is, is that of, of spiritual death, both in the eternal sense with death and with judgment and separation from God, um, but also in our physical lives with, with what we do in the here and now. Um, this death threatens our entire timeline, not, not just the afterlife. And to put it bluntly, the, the old life that Paul is talking about is dead because it's, it's marked by disobedience. Um, it's marked by chasing, like, desires in, an, in a, the wrong way. Um, and all of that's rooted in this self-centeredness that's caused by the influence of evil in the world. He talks about the prince of the power of the air, or the ruler of the air. Um, and, and that influence is sometimes direct, sometimes it's indirect, sometimes it's internal. That all is moving in a trajectory away from God and his intent for creation. That's where we were. That's where we are prior to Jesus. 
And, and if we look back at the creation of mankind and then, then the fall and the beginning of Genesis, we see that God created all things good. There's this, like, there's this beauty and this goodness and this like perfection about like what God has made, but it's, it's marred and it's broken by evil as sin enters the picture. And the result of that, and it was warned by God prior, is that death comes on the picture. Death comes on the scene and into the picture. Um, and this is where we find ourselves, dead in our transgressions and sins. Um, or as, again, Paul saying to the Romans, Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. That sin in us has worked to this place of producing death. Paul's reminded us of some pretty hopeless stuff there. And this is one of those moments in the scriptures that, like, if there was just, like, a period and he, like, went on his separate way, like, that would be horrible. It would be a bad deal. But there's no period. There's a comma. And we see this, but God. Paul's been writing about the past. And, again, back in the first chapter, He's, he's been very clear about things like redemption in Christ. He's been, been clear about the hope that we have, the, the, even the down payment of the Holy Spirit as like God working in us and, and saying like, I have you. Death is not the end of the story. Paul goes on to say in Romans 6, you know, I read the wages of sin is death, but that's not even the end of his story there. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And here in the Ephesians, we have another, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, but God. He's, he comes into the picture. Now, I'd like you all to not think less of me, okay? <laughs> but the fact is that I cry at really weird times, like really, really weird times. Um, and uh, like not when, like, Horrible things can happen, and I can be just, like, stoic, and, like, and it's not like I'm trying to hold it in. It just doesn't happen. But, like, I'm, like, reading books with my kids, and I'll get choked up over stupid stuff in these narratives, you know. And uh, um, this, this happened recently, and, and I, don't, I don't need, I don't know if I need to give a spoiler warning, um, but I'm about to talk about Endgame. So if you haven't seen that, you may want to close your ears for a couple of minutes. I'll try to be vague. But, um, so before school started, I'm in my office, I was like taking a lunch break and I, I listened to like movie trailers or not movie trailers, movie soundtracks and stuff like that while I'm working a lot of times just cause I'm weird. And, um, somehow it went down the rabbit trail while I was eating lunch, like that, the, the portal scene from Avengers Endgame came up and again, I'm trying to be super vague, but like basically it's desperate and it's over. Like, basically the heroes have been beat down. There's a vast army coming against them. There's like no way they're gonna win, right? And uh, Captain America is like, I'm gonna fight to the end, gets up, and there's this whole like heroic scene. And then, then you hear on your left, and the portals start opening, right? So I'm like in my office weeping for some reason, <laughs> as, this, as this is showing, I don't know where I was at emotionally at the time or what was going on, um, and I've, I've like thought about that, that's like, that on your left moment is so pivotal, you know, everything was over, they're effectively defeated, everything was about to be dusted, um, and then there's this intervention that shifts 
everything. The spiritual on your left moment is this but God moment. We have nothing. It's over. The war is done. We are dead. But God steps in. He's the only one that can. He intervenes. And Paul says this, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by his grace that y'all have been saved. And a bit further down, he continues this line of thought in verse 8. He says, it's by grace you've been saved through faith, through whose trust in Christ. It's not from yourselves. It's nothing we could muster. It's a gift of God given freely. It's not by works, nothing we could do so that no one can boast. Again, we could do nothing, but God intervened through Jesus. We were dead, but he makes us alive. And and this stems from his love for us, this great love that Paul talks about. There's a prophet, Isaiah, um, in the Old Testament, that so much of so much of that uh, prophecy, and it's like, it's a long one. If you ever jump into that book, it's, it's long and it's deep and there's a lot, but so much of it points to this like redeemer that's coming, this Messiah. Um, and he wrote these words, God penned these through Isaiah in Isaiah 53. Um, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our wickedness, our sin, our injustice, our wrongdoing. The punishment required for our well-being fell on him. And by his stripes, by his wounds, we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. We've turned each one to his own way. But the Lord has caused the wickedness of all of our sin and our injustice and our wrongdoing to fall on him instead of us. Um, Humanity has a death problem. But God, but God, refused to leave us in that state. He was not willing to leave us dead. But he gives us life through Christ that we couldn't make happen ourselves. We simply trust him. We're saved by his grace through faith in Jesus. But that isn't the end. Um, That's not the end at all. There's more to that. Um, Our past without Jesus' death, our present in Jesus is life, as is our future. But, but there's another aspect to the now and beyond that Paul doesn't let us off the hook with, and I think it's something we need to realize sometimes. In verse 6, he says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, which is just amazing in itself. We were dead, and now he has raised us with Christ in this way. In order that, there's the purpose, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For we're God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Um, we're created by God, and in a lot of ways we're recreated in Jesus. There's this whole like new life, right, in him. We don't, but the thing is that we don't get, just simply get our like ticket to heaven, and then we're just going to chill, like, that's not what we're called to do. It's not just like, okay, I'm saved. Now I just got to live out this life and die, and then I'll be good. Like, that's, that's not what Jesus is calling us to. We're meant to be bringing the kingdom of God into the places that we are. 
classes, dorms, families, workplaces, neighborhoods, all of these places were to be God's handiwork created in Jesus for these good works, these good actions, these, these things that he's called us to. And all these places were meant to, to put the grace of God on display, to be pointing to Christ. Paul, Paul says that we've been raised up to be this display of kindness, of the kindness of God to humanity. And Jesus put it this way in Matthew 5, which I feel like Paul is looking back on in a lot of ways. Matthew 5, 14, Jesus is in the midst of this Sermon on the Mount. He's like, he's just talked about, you're the salt of the earth, right? And then he goes into this, says, you're the light of the world. A city on a hill can't be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on the lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house. Your light must shine before all people in such a way that they may see your good works. That sounds familiar. And glorify your Father who is in heaven. The whole point of that light showing, that purpose that we see that Paul's getting at with us being God's handiwork, like he saved us out of his great love from death to life and to good works that point to him and bring him glory. Like we're about bringing God glory through these things. If we're in Jesus, we have the great purpose of revealing him to the world, um, to point, pointing to him in such a way that others have that apocalypse that Paul was praying for, for us to see. Like we move in such a way that God works in that and he's glorified and they are like, wow, like there's something happening here. Jesus is amazing. And, and we point to him and let, let people view that. Our response to the grace of God is to do that by putting good into the world. And here's some ways to intentionally do that. And I want you to think about these things like in your own context and how like this, this fits into these places. Um, we keep our eyes on Jesus first and foremost. John, Jesus talks about remaining in the vine, like we abide in him. We have to do that. We keep our eyes on Jesus or the writer of Hebrews, we keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And we keep our eyes on Jesus in different places in, in our relationships um, with him, our relationship with him. Uh, like how are we focusing on that? How are we putting time with Jesus into our lives? What are we doing? Uh, we keep our eyes on Jesus in, in the realm of holiness. Like, how are, we, um, how are we living our life in a way that is, like, set apart? And then in obedience, kind of similarly, are we, like, obeying the commands of Christ? Like, the things he's called us to, are we actually doing these things? We keep our eyes on Jesus in that way. And that's one of the ways that these, like, as God's handiwork, we live out our lives. Another one is that we pay attention to the needs around us. Um, and a big part of that is like prayerfully observing and discerning what's going on. Like what's going on with the people that I'm around? What's going on in the world? Where are the great needs that are happening? And maybe what's God calling me to be a part of in those places? That's one way that we live out our lives as God's handiwork created in him for good works. And finally, we put our faith into action in those places where we see need. Um, we, we meet those needs when we can. We pursue justice. We love our neighbor as ourselves. 
These are all bits of these things that Jesus has called us into where we can live out our lives as handiwork in Christ Jesus. So here's, here's what I want to challenge you with today. Um, I guess like a two-pronged thing again. It, you know, if you, if you aren't a follower of Jesus, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here. And know that there is this like free gift of grace that God just like offers us to like put our trust in Christ and to follow him and to bring us from that spiritual death to that life in him and purpose. And you can come talk to our staff about that. Like if that's something you're like working through, please come talk to us. We'd love to, to walk, you, walk with you through that. Um, and if you're already a follower of Jesus, I want to encourage you like to remember where you came from. I think it's one of the beautiful things about what Paul does here. He's like, hey, you were dead. Like, there's something, this is totally an aside, but something very, um, very deep in faith in Jesus about humility that maybe we need to grab a hold of again and like work through. And part of that humility is remembering like, yeah, I was dead. I had nothing in myself to do anything. And I, 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 all I could do is rely on Jesus. And I think that helps put us into perspective sometimes when maybe we have our own thoughts about other people. Like, we were dead too. The, the level, the, the, there was a level playing field, you know, and we were all dead. Um, so that, I think it helps us with humility and things to remember these things. Went on a tangent, sorry. To recall, you know, what Jesus has done in our lives, like the hope that he's brought into us. Um, and then to think about what he is calling us to. So again, if you're in Jesus, I'm challenging you to this. Like, what is Jesus calling you into as, as his handiwork? This doesn't have to be a huge thing, like future. What is he calling us to now? Like, with your, your roommate, like how does Jesus want you to live out your life in regard to your roommates? Or to the people in your classes or to that professor that's really, really tough to deal with? Like, how, how are you going to act like Jesus in that relationship? How are we going to be Jesus to our families and act in a way that we're his handiwork and bring glory to him? Where can you engage as the handiwork of God displaying his kindness to the world? So I just kind of want to leave you with those things. Um, I want to leave this up for just like a minute, just kind of have a reflection time over those questions, those thoughts. And then I'll, I'll pray to close and we'll, we'll kind of go into our communion time there at that point. Uh, Jesus, you are good. Thank you that while we were dead in our transgressions and sins, while we were dead in our, our disobedience and our rebellion, um, while we were dead in our, our apathy and hostility, um, while we were dead in our self-service and just self-centeredness, that you still died for us, Jesus, that you still came in your great love, the great love of God, and went to the cross for us. 
Thank you that you call us into this place of, of trusting you and a relationship with you, Jesus, and, and help us to follow you. Help us to, to serve you and, and to point to you and just to, like, to live as a response to this, this grace, this amazing grace that's put before us. Help us to respond accordingly. We love you, Jesus, and I just pray that you help us to seek you more in these places. We give you this time as we, as we just celebrate your death and resurrection. Amen.